Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's red and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out. For comic book commentary Spinning a winning inside Fix how they got a hot idea Narrative character visual tricks And onomatopoeia Uh-huh It's comic book commentary Hi, my name is Chelsea Kane, and I am the creator and writer of Maneaters. Um, and we are here to talk about issue number six. And I'm here with Leah Mitternick. Hi, Leah. Hi. Um, Leah is uh, the cover designer and kind of visual editor and production supervisor and does a uh, a lot of the kind of management of the comic, as well as uh, the interior, like specific design elements. We'll get into that. Also joining us are uh, Stella Greenvoss. Hi, Stella. Hello. And Eliza. Fantastic Mohan. Hi, Eliza. Hi. Um, Eliza and Stella both contribute to the comic. Stella contributes every issue, and Eliza has contributed to three or four issues. Eliza is also my daughter. They are both recent 14-year-olds. Um, all right, let's get started. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Well, we're going to start uh, with the cover. I guess that's a good place to start, <laughs> which I don't actually have in front of me. Yeah, let's see if we can. But get Leah it up designed here. it based on. Well, this one was based on some pop art I think you had found. So um, we always try to do covers that um, are evocative in some way and, and each one very different from the next. And, and give you a little bit of insight into the story, but um, still just kind of make you interested in opening it up. So this one, what was the, what had you seen? It was the, the peace sign was sort of the... I think actually it was a middle finger originally. Was it a middle finger? <laughs> the reference art. Um, but of course we didn't want to do that. We're provocative, but not that provocative. Um, we really wanted the blood, which is to evoke menstruation and at the same time, we wanted the blood to not quite read like blood. So it's got this kind of a Dario Argento um, kind of uncanny coloring to it. So it almost looks like a pie filling or jelly donut. Um, yeah. You can tell yourself a story. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's menstrual blood. Uh, but and, it's softened by the nice right. glittery you know, nail polish that we have that is rainbow colored. And right, cute. <laughs> which is also kind of setting up uh, a kind of like unicorn payoff <laughs> that comes later. Um, yeah, and then we are moving into the interior cover. Um, we've got a letter from Powell Middle School, and this letter is based on the uh, lice letters that if you're <laughs> a parent with a kid in public school, you may have gotten. Um, there are a lot of uh, templates online, apparently, because administrators have to send them out a lot. So we took one of those templates and changed it to, uh, you know, like fit our circumstances, which... Uh, or like cat attacks. Um, so there's been a big cat attack, they think, at the school, and they want to sort of limit the outbreak. Um, and uh, Sharon MacArthur, the, the name of the school nurse at the bottom, is a friend of ours. 
wanted to be included and I think the perfect way is the school nurse really. Yeah. Um, so as you move in uh, to the like narrative, I want to call out Rochelle Rosenberg, who is our colorist. She's really fantastic. And she actually colored this issue um, based solely from Kate Niemczyk, our artist's pencil. So usually the pencils go to the inker and the inker inks the pencils and then the colorist colors the inks. And Kate's pencils were so tight uh, and Rochelle is so good and our timeline was so short <laughs> that we decided to try something different. And Rochelle like colored or, you know, right from the ink. So like the shadows that you see usually would have been added by the inker and uh, here they were added by Rochelle. And I think she's amazing. The way that she colors this, it kind of gives it a really nice like painterly quality that I think is um, it, it because the lines are kind of like soft as opposed to the way that yeah. they would be if we had had it inked. I think it really lends itself. Um, and she um, always in, in some of the especially the later issues has kind of put this sort of rough texture to things. And so this really just kind of enhanced that rough texture. So it's not a super clean look. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so we've got the dad sitting on uh, the bed with the stuffed cat, which just cracks me up. The cat <laughs> is funny. It was important to me to have. Um, and then the big reveal of the unicorn sitting by Maud's bed, which... Um, which is great because it's awkward. Just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, I think uh, like Kate is so good at drawing these characters, and I think she drew the unicorn really beautifully. Um and the way that Rochelle colored the mask, I think the, the sort of glossy blankness to it is really effective. The unicorn, I was sort of inspired by, um, if you've seen the movie Halloween, <laughs> by Michael and the way that he kind of like stands in the shadows with his white mask. And so there's a little bit of that referenced here. Um, but we spent a lot of time going back and forth on what that unicorn head was going to look like. Yeah. So Leah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, we, uh just doing a Google search as to what uh, unicorn masks might be. And, and I think Chelsea had the idea of it being more of like a mascot, this sort of sweet, nice, <laughs> crazy little unicorn. Um, and so, yeah, we, um, but it also has hair. So we needed to make sure that it was a one that we could start with something that looked kind of sweet and then, you know, tailor it to our needs. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's supposed to not be a scary unicorn, but um, a friendly it's still a little scary. A little scary that it's suddenly in your room. Right. <laughs> in the dark. Mysterious. Yeah. Uh, the game uh, panels on the next page uh, are really some shout outs to some friends. We have Illimit, which was made by some <laughs> friends of ours. Uh, so I don't think they'll sue us, but I think technically they could. Um, we've got Dungeons and Dragons and then, of course, Yahtzee. One of the things I really wanted to explore um, in the comic book is... Maud, like Maud's relationship with her parents and seeing her parents like through her point of view and her idea of who her dad is and who her mom is in the wake of this divorce um, and coming to understand who her parents like really are along with Maud as opposed to, uh, you know, so her ideas of who her parents are, are going to shift. Um, but her idea of who her mom is is her mom always wins games. Um <laughs> And uh, and this is just sort of like yeah, showing showing that and showing um, Maud's dad and Maud kind of being uh, a team, kind of like you, the two of them 
um, kind of being a team and the mom being the third wheel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I really uh, love the shirts. Uh, we went back and forth on that, the shirts that uh, the dad is in. Originally, he was just in solid colors, and I really wanted patterns. And I think Rochelle did a great job she delivering did. some really strange and wonderful <laughs> patterns that kind of like flesh out his personality and, in my opinion, make him a little sadder. <laughs> it is. Um, we try uh, in the comic to work in a lot of uh, – like very like real world textures and real world images um, to kind of like draw attention to the fact that this is a story. And you can see the book that Maude is reading is a callback to a previous issue. And we'll see that book again and again. Um, and it's a, like a, a real person, a real photograph of, uh, of a person as the author photo instead of using <laughs> an illustration to, again, kind of drive home the fact that um, – there's different kind of layers of story and this might be real world or it might not be. Yeah, it's been really fun to work on uh, this is, is the first series that I've done, but just to see the layering that and the storytelling that that can provide. Um, th- there's so much that if you um, pay attention, you can come back and find from issue one or issue three. And um, it's really neat to see that string go all the way through all of these yeah like so my daughter eliza and i both uh read comic books similarly uh which my husband would describe as too fast (laughs) (laughs) whereas my husband is somebody who really like spends time with a comic so he might read a floppy like and spend you know 15 minutes reading it eliza and i flip through it in three minutes and are done (laughs) um and a, a little part of my husband dies every time that happens. <laughs> but the thing is, Eliza and I then go back to that comic and we reread it like over and over again, Eliza especially. Um, and I really wanted this comic series to be rereadable in that sense so that I think it really lends itself to going through again and again and in different orders even. And you will notice um, a lot of little Easter eggs and you know, actual plot points that exist in the background for careful readers. Um, all right, we see so we flash back to Maud as a younger kid in her bedroom, um, listening to her parents argue. Uh, and actually, I'm not sure how we're going to treat this. This is comic is not actually technically completely done as we speak to you today. Um, we are looking at a version that is uh, colored and lettered, but there's still like a few little... Um, edits, little hiccups we need to take care of. So some of this podcast is going to be me giving Leah little projects. <laughs> so it's fine. With the this is always a good scene, point at the project. This, yeah. is a, this, this is a page. Um, the kind of rule we have established in this comic is that when we jump in time, there is an editorial caption that kind of like locates you as, as a reader. But I don't want to put that kind of caption here because I really, I think it's a really kind of elegant little page. And I don't want to distract from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I don't want to have to like use an editorial caption on the next page when we jump back to the present. But I also want readers to not be entirely confused and angry. So sure. I was thinking, okay, let's see. If we added a little bit of color behind mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. like a little bit of glow. Yeah. Um, and even blur a bit of the lines to kind of that. give it that sense of memory. Flashback, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. 
give our readers a cue. That's nice. <laughs> then, the, then we're back to straight lines on the next page. Yeah, good. Right, because we're back in the present. Perfect. Uh, Easily done. You'll, you'll notice see that it, when it when it comes out at the bottom <laughs> of the page, um, the uh, mobile scat lab, which <laughs> Leah drew um, laboriously. Yeah. Yeah. tediously mm-hmm. so we're going to use so it as much as possible as, as many issues as that comes up in perfect mm-hmm. yeah it's fun though it's a um it goes back to like the hq drawings and the old style sort of illustrations that that give so much context and you can imagine yourself in that world yeah and i'm a big fan of the cutaway in general like certainly growing up reading marvel comics like anytime they would do a cutaway to uh, some kind of HQ. Uh, those are awesome. So we're referencing that. But my favorite thing about that Scat Lab are all of the little suits lined up on the upstairs floor <laughs> underneath the helipad. Uh, and we're going to try to pay those off because they're so adorable um, by having Scat members show up in them occasionally without any explanation. Right. There's all sorts of duties that are yet to come. Um, on the next page, we've got this call out uh, to this uh, Soviet propaganda poster. Um, and one of the uh, like narrative styles we use a lot is the idea of this narrative aside, um, where we pull you out of the kind of main narrative, and it's just kind of like a, a one-panel joke. And that's kind of like going close in to Maud's point of view mm-hmm. uh, to make us feel, again, like, this is a story that she's telling us. Um, I really, like, I love the idea of this being Maud's story and the fact that Maud is not a reliable narrator. Mm-hmm. We really are seeing how she imagines her story. And like anybody telling a story about their life, uh, it's, it's biased. It's all based on her conceptions, which we are going to challenge. Yeah. And it just gives a, a great variety to the artwork as well, too. So it gives interesting layouts and interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, we're going to skip forward a couple pages because I do want to get Eliza and Stella involved in the discussion. Um, we've got YouTube results. And I guess we're <laughs> going to call it YouTube in the version that you're looking at. Um, so if you've read about the lawsuit, <laughs> you'll know why. You'll know why. Um, uh-huh. These are results showing um, the sort of the sort of spread of Sophie E's unicorn-headed martial arts uh, queen. And um, actually, since we're doing live edits, mm-hmm. those visual results. They'll all be different. Right, they'll all yeah. be different. Yeah. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I also like on, on the opposite page just how pretty the unicorn in the room is in this particular panel. Uh-huh. It's colored so beautifully, just sitting there so properly. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Um. And then we move into sort of a story within a story, within a story, which is um, the act, I'll see act through one through four. <laughs> yeah. With a Kim Kardashian quote, uh, just because. Um, I really uh, think that Joe, our letterer, um, Joe Karamanga. I I tried to get him to good, let right? us know exactly how to pronounce that. but it's Joe, yeah. Joey C. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, I, I like the fact that like the, the, the thump, thump, thump. Um, is like really, mm-hmm. I think, perfect. I uh, disagree too. One of the things that I had not really realized, uh, even as a comic fan, was like how important letterers are. Um, not like not only because they obviously like do the the, the treatment of the letters, uh, but the placement 
of the caption boxes and of the dialogue balloons really affects the pacing of the story and, in my opinion, can, like, make a story or break it. And I think Joe's really good at that. Yeah, he's got a good sense of. Mm -hmm. Uh, So lest you think that uh, this whole story is just batshit crazy, in fact, it's all coming together because we see a pencil that Maude has found on her windowsill, the way you do. And uh-huh. it is a colored pencil from the pencil shop. From issue, issue one. <laughs> where we see uh, there has been a, a terrible crime. Um, so it's all coming together. Just stick with us. Um, if you know about colors, and I'm sure you do, you might notice that this pencil is labeled incorrectly. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's a clue. That That is a clue, yeah. Um, but Maude does not see that yet. I really like uh, making Kate uh, draw buildings <laughs> that fill whole pages. Uh, buildings and vehicles. Yeah. And she did a great job drawing uh, this the back of, of Maud's apartment building. Um, and she threw in a corgi because she knows I love them. <laughs> and then Leah has all of these great little signs that give it, again, the real world element. We see the song. People are humming. Um, again, that is like repeated issue to issue. And we'll... Uh, will pay off. Perhaps you can even figure it out now if you think about it. Um, Maude is at school, and uh, we threw in the, the Wildcats uh, shirt. Again, like it kills me to have it, a blank T-shirt. You'll see lots of blank T-shirts, so just know the self-control that I have shown. <laughs> I would have a logo or a slogan on every single T-shirt or a wild pattern. Um, but I, I only do what I can. Sometimes Leah just starts to cry. There's only so many hours in the day. You know? <laughs> but I love, I love the idea of like creating this school and the school, of course, has a mascot. And there's, you know, even the letterhead from the school. It's just, it's so fun to just really get into the world versus just leave it at. Yeah. Get it, it Wildcats. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then at school, um, Maude begins to notice some other kids uh, who also have colored pencils, and that is curious. All right, so you'll see um, in the classroom, uh, Maude kind of leaning into frame, talking to uh, Eliza, who <laughs> is named after Eliza right here. Eliza has not even seen these pages yet, but there's a whole conversation. You're going to love it. You look great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really love the overhead shot of all of the kids at desks in that classroom. Uh in fact, I love it so much that the version I'm looking at has lots of dialogue. And one of my notes for Joey C is to cut all that dialogue. I don't want any words on that panel because I think it's so effective. And I think I don't want to block any of it with word balloons. And I don't want to draw the reader's attention away from just how lovely that is um, visually. Yeah. Uh, so we see in this overhead shot, like a lot of kids have these pencils, and they're all kind of like leaning forward with their pencils outstretched to show Maude like and Eliza. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to talk to you, Leah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's at see. It. What, what do I need to um, do here? I thought because mm-hmm. these little test pages are all blank. Oh, sure. If the kids with the colored pencils, if we can see a little bit of like scribbling on those uh-huh. test pages in whatever color yeah, pencil color. Sure. they're handing out, and then the kids who don't have colored pencils, it would just be pencil colored. Right? We can do that. That would be neat. Yeah. yeah. And it would reinforce our color element through the whole issue. There is a color element through the whole <laughs> issue, you guys. <laughs> Unicorns. Yeah. It all comes back. Right. So 
you know, like you've read the issue, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, um, and the uni- the, all of the color stuff and the colored pencil stuff all relates back to the unicorn and the unicorn mane and the whole idea of like, yeah, this sort of rainbow. Um, so we're trying to tell, obviously, a visual story. And a lot of that is um, these visual elements that, again, like make a lot more sense on the second or third read. But I think it's really cool. Yeah. You'll really appreciate it when you when you it's get to it. It's going to be so <laughs> great. Um, yeah. Yeah, we uh, a lot of dialogue on that page. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. You might uh, <laughs> notice um, with the the sort of mug shots. Uh, I, I should probably say the page number, but we're not looking at page numbers here right. because they're all kind of paginated differently. Mm-hmm. But the page with all of the girls' mugshots and the <laughs> colors behind the girls' heads. That page I'm pretty happy with. I'm happy. Yeah, uh, it worked out great. Right. One of the edits with coloring, um, uh, Rochelle had just drawn those uh, with just sort of regular panel blocks behind them. Uh, so to reinforce our awesome coloring theme so that you could appreciate it all the more mm-hmm. by knowing about it. Yes. Uh, we decided to put. It doesn't like, require explanation, but it's good to have yeah, it. Yeah. Actual <laughs> decided to have the actual like colors behind each kid that coordinates with the pencil that that kid has found, and also mm-hmm. with their outfits, their outfits and their backpacks. Yeah. When we get to it, though, I am noticing that Maud mm-hmm. is in the wrong color shirt in the version we're looking at here. It's easily changed. Yes. We'll fix that up. No biggie. <laughs> um, next page. Uh, I'm a big fan of floor. <laughs> You'll notice lots of linoleum in the worlds that I create. Uh, such good patterns. Such good patterns. Uh, and a really excellent pimple. Um, and <laughs> Which was enhanced after the first version, which I like. I, I had a really good, strong reaction to it until she's like, no, it's not, not, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> this one's very, very clear. The puberty observation form uh, is one of my favorite things, possibly, that we have done in this comic hitherto. <laughs> Uh, it is pretty funny. Um, and that, obviously, Leah designed uh, taking a Scantron form yeah. um, that she found on the internet in yeah. Stoll. <laughs> oh, no, well, no, no. It's modifying. Completely, yeah, completely recreated. Yeah. It's no, nothing. Right. Well, yeah, she moved stuff around. She added the lady. It's yeah. all fine. But it's just, it's such a good classic. We've all seen those forms. And um, if something's going to be just very, you know what they would do in the most typical circumstance this this is that form yeah and the whole idea of taking um puberty like a girl's puberty and making it this kind of like metric that uh (laughs) is observed and like quantified and monitored Mm -hmm. uh you know it's so true right like culturally we do do that we just don't (laughs) we don't actually have forms but it happens and much much of this comic uh at least my attempt is uh, to really just describe the real world. Um, through metaphor? Right, through metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get it, Leah. You get I get me. it. You know, six issues in, I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And we see those pencils, and we see those girls. And again, you might notice um, the backpacks all uh, line up with their particular pencils, and the pencils are in the order of a rainbow. All of that is not by accident. Uh, we've got some Google results. Might have to change that brand name. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> Showing all of the pencil shops in Portland, Oregon. There are actually a couple. Uh, <laughs> Portland is adorable. Portland's perfect for that. And uh, 
You can see also why I don't want to have an editorial caption. Note every time we go back to the bedroom with Maud and her dad, because uh, it would happen a lot. Yeah. And that would be irritating. And Maud, with, with her little cap that she wears, is always a good indicator of what... Her pussy what, hat? Her pussy hat. It's not a pussy cap, Lee. <laughs> it's not a cap. <laughs> but it's a good indication of that we're on the current day. This pussy hat is based on a pussy hat... That Stella's mom knit me. Mm, nice. <laughs> so I didn't know. That's awesome. Um, we see uh, the unicorn and the army of girls. That honestly is just a total reference to uh, the last season of Buffy. <laughs> and oh, then, so uh, girls, you're almost up. Um, and then toward the end, we have, again, the unicorn uh, sitting uh, in the bedroom and the dad's phone is ringing. Um, and he's got this really geeky song. Uh, again, pretty sure we'll get sued for that. I might have to change it to This Land is Your Land. There's <laughs> something that's in the public domain. So I think there's only seven or eight things in this issue that yeah, are that's, potentially... That's, fine. that's no big deal. Um, it'll be so much publicity <laughs> when we go to jail. So his phone is ringing, and it's this kind of silly song because he still has feelings for Maud's mom. Uh, and... Uh, I love the, the the idea that he has come at the beginning of this issue because he wants to protect Maud from her mom finding out, right? And by the end of the issue, he's trying to figure out if he should tell Maud's mom. Like he's he's sort of gone one eighty on that mm-hmm. to now like realizing that there really is only one person who can help, yeah. and it's Maud's mom. So we have like not only um, like there's like a relationship evolution there uh, that I think really to me is kind of like that's the the narrative movement of this whole issue is getting to that beat Mm -hmm. of the dad changing um what you know like and 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 maude's perception of her dad's shift because really in terms of the main narrative this is just like 10 minutes you know is moved forward like the dad comes in sits on maude's bed they have they have a conversation that is punctuated by a whole lot of story within story mm-hmm. as Maud tells him things and, you know, does these mental asides. Um, and then we come back and they finish the conversation and boom, like not a whole lot has happened, except there's been this evolution of understanding about the dynamics of this family relationship. Yeah. Which is everything. Which is everything. Yeah. Um, and we're going to bring uh, Stella in. Um, so Stella, at the end of every issue, uh, we always want to go, in on, usually on the to-be-continued page, really close in to Maud's point of view. And Stella Greenboss, who is a terrific artist, does all of our art for that beat. So every single uh, animal, and they are always animals. It seems to be, yeah. Might yeah. start using houses. <laughs> we saw <laughs> Stella's sketchbook today. Oh, We're gosh. Maybe just publish her work mm-hmm, from now right. on. Um, so in the first issue, it, it is a little bird. Um, and there's always, there's like a little narrative payoff to the specific animal. Like if, if you give it some thought, you'll figure it out. And here I asked Stella to draw a unicorn. And uh, Stella, <laughs> she did, she sent me some like wonderful sketch pages of various like horses and unicorns. And the one that we decided to go with, uh, like, in fact, I loved the pages she had sent so much, which were just photographs of her actual sketchbook. And on one of them, she had written, I swear I'm not a horse girl. Chelsea is making me draw these. And that is the one That's that I very much wanted to use. And that is uh, 
what is here. So I'm, I'll let Stella Thank talk you. a little bit about her process. Um, so yeah, I was planning on doing a uh, a couple pieces that were with like full color and very detailed. Yeah. And, and, so and you did, and you and did. Exactly. I did. I they were lovely. So many things. <laughs> yeah. um, but these were my preliminary preliminary sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think I used pencil for these. Um, and they were just meant to be stupid sketches, but, uh, Chelsea likes them, I guess, so they're going in a comic. (laughs) Um, the horse girl comment, it's both for me in the future, and I guess for any observers, because, um, one, I don't want me to look back on this phase where I drew, like, maybe four pages in my sketchbook (laughs) of horses, and I don't want to be like, ooh, you loved horses back then, mm-hmm. and I also, I don't want anyone else to think that. Not that there's anything wrong with being a horse girl, I just, I don't want to come across as that. And also, horses! People, like, have careers based on drawing horses. They're really hard to draw! Yeah. They're so hard to draw! Mm-hmm. I don't know the proportions of a horse, mm-hmm. so uh, that's that, I guess. Uh, no, you cool. did great. And you managed to very is, well. Like, uh, Stella had sent so many pages, including two that were fully, like, you, you used Copics, right? Yes. Fully Copixed out, like, full color, beautiful, yeah. technicolor. The like, ones that would yeah. normal people would use. Yeah, yeah. right. Unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, but unfortunately, she also sent <laughs> some of her working sketches, which, again, were so great. And I really feel this responsibility writing this comic, which is so much about the inner life of this 12-year-old, to get as close to that as I can. And like in reality, Stella is such a better artist (laughs) than any 12-year-old. Again, Stella is 14. But like like her perspective Mm -hmm. is everything. Like ending visually on something that is actually close to the way, you know, to the lens of uh, of of that experience, and one of the things I really loved about using the sketchbook page is that we do like it, we see it as a sketchbook page, so you can see the little bit of art table, um, which is Stella's art table around the uh, around the page. You can see a little bit of her thumb, yeah, um, my dirty thumb, her dirty thumb. <laughs> it's really gross. <laughs> her thumb was so clean. We added in that dirt digitally right, right, to make right, it yeah. just read more real. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then, of course, the words, that is like, I could not have written that. Right. Like, I could not have written that. Only Stella Greenboss could have written that. And only, frankly, I think a 14-year-old could have written that. It's so aware of, yeah, her future yeah. self and the whole notion of, like, not being a horse girl, which is, like, aren't we all not horse girls? <laughs> when it was it was funny from the very first time we saw her sketchbook and just looking through it, like, we noticed all of these things like that we wouldn't think to do anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because we're just out of that, out of that time in our lives, and so it really is just wonderful to look through it and be like, yeah, oh, it's really well, just the meta authentic it's, are so great uh, that yeah. I like, which you have, and we actually used a few of them in issue mm-hmm. one. Yeah, um, yeah, in the first issue, like yeah. they used a, a drawing of my two favorite YouTubers, and it's one of my least favorite drawings in that sketchbook. So I wrote. Ew, this is so gross, or something next to it. And then they used all of that. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I was ready to be crucified by those YouTubers' fandom. But then they picked it up. So. Well, good. now they'll know. <laughs> right? Um, all right. Uh, let's bring Eliza in, too. Uh, I say bring her in. She's sitting right here, mic'd up with headphones. Uh, Eliza um, had, has contributed to. Uh, some Number, previous issues, yeah. issue three, she's got a big she one in has five. a big essay. 
right? I bet Phoenix, her cat. Right. Uh, number four, she writes the letters column. And number five, she has a poem called Here I Am, <laughs> uh, featuring, again, that terrible, wonderful unicorn mask. <laughs> so, uh, so Eliza, um, how did you get roped into this? Well, I mean, you are my mother, so uh, you started like asking my friends to do stuff, and I knew eventually it would be my turn. <laughs> and then, uh, Why isn't she asking me yet? I mean, my mother came up and asked me to do a story from the point of view of a cat, and I thought, you know, I should probably do my cat since... But it's very difficult to get inside my cat's head. Like, it's an ongoing family joke. Like, what is she thinking right now? Because she's a very peculiar cat. And I thought it would be nice to try to put myself, like, inside her head, like, in her shoes. And so I did that. And, of course, I made her love me very much because that's (laughs) how I hope she sees me. No, I'm not sure. And uh, I just sort of, like, sat down and, uh, like, tried to think, like, what does my cat think every day? And she's very independent, so she went outside and has relationship. We like to think that she has relationships to, like, all the cats in the neighborhood because there are quite a few, and that she sort of, like, rules the neighborhood because she's very sassy and queen-like. And one of the things that, like, I loved about that piece, Eliza, because I really didn't, I didn't give you any direction except right from the point of view of a cat. And yet, and again, this is why I think it's so important that Eliza was, she was, She's 14 now, but she was 13 when she read that, uh, that she write it because that story about this cat longing to go out and yet getting out and then this call back into the house and the comfort of going back inside, I think is so much about the experience of being a 13, 14 year old kid. (laughs) It really is. And uh, it is that kind of authenticity uh, that I think, you know, that we, we strive for and that I appreciate. Um, Stella, what is your favorite of the of the layouts that you've done? And I will hand you a volume so you can look. Ooh. Uh, off the top of my head, I was very surprised when they used the um, beetle in, I think, either issue three or four. Because <laughs> uh, I hadn't sent anything in for that. And I was like, oh, uh, I screwed up. <laughs> but they used this uh, beetle that I had drawn a very long time ago. Um, and it looks cool. Uh, so I like that one a lot. I also like in the first. Well, I like, okay. I'm laughing because I like that. That was like that first day we were looking through a sketchbook, and I just took these photos of the pages. And <laughs> yeah, like, oh. yeah. It, it was what we what we needed for that <laughs> that particular one. I liked in the um, cat attack uh, volume. Which one is that? Four. Four. In four, uh, I they asked me to do like mm-hmm. zodiac cats, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know what that meant, so I just drew some cats with uh, like zodiac features, and that was a mad dash to get that done. I like, I think I had like two days to finish it. Yeah, I it, might was, have... it was amazing. It was how amazing. fast you turned well, that around, and, and there were like two separate versions of everything. Like it wasn't just like <laughs> here's my sketches. It was like final, yeah. complete, beautiful. Yeah, and uh, one of the days I was working on that was my birthday. Oh my god! So gosh. it was a lot of like, I need to get this done, but. I had such a good time because I, like, was exploring the zodiac signs and I was exploring these different types of cats. And uh, I really like how the pages turn out. So that was also one of my favorite contributions, I think. We did uh, an event at Rose City Comic Con, which is a comic convention here in Portland, all of us. Um, We set up uh, a Ministry of Trouble help desk. So the company, Lee and I formed a company to produce the comic. uh, And then we partner with Image, which is so complicated 
you'll just have to look that up and figure it out. Um, but our company is called Ministry of Trouble, which is fun because all of these the girls who, who write for us, as well as our entire adult creative team, uh, everybody gets checks from Ministry of Trouble, <laughs> which is just neat. Yeah. Uh, and we thought it would be fun to kind of go with that. And we set up this whole Ministry of Trouble help desk where we had forms people could fill out because everybody loves forms. It turns out people really do people like do. forms. <laughs> we had a patriarchy suggestion box where people could write suggestions to the patriarchy. And Stella, uh, we, we were all there signing comics, and Stella brought her art and sold quite a bit of it. Yeah, I sold like uh, $150 worth yeah. or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And those yeah. cats, those horoscope cats, just saying, like, you people find her. Like, I don't know if I, her parents want me giving out her Instagram handle. No, it's what? totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, just then. do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm at loneliest.robot. Uh, and spell loneliest right because nobody gets it right. Right. <laughs> you heard it here. But I promise it's spelled right in my handle. Um yeah, and, and Stella is like has prints and original work that is for sale, and uh, including the the actual like art from the comics, which is like really brilliant. Uh, Eliza, um, what was what's been your favorite piece so far? Um, well, uh, I just found out recently that my poem is in the comic, but I'm really no, like proud about uh, it. I told you, you just I hadn't just forgot seen it. it. I have a very bad memory. Yeah, you <laughs> but sent it to I'm me. really proud of that because um, I based it off of a song. Uh, I just um, for a exercise at school, we um, watched this video of this woman uh, playing her cello on the edge of a cliff, in this like just beautiful scenery. And then we were told to write a story about it, and instead of a story, I wrote a poem. And I'm just really proud of that because it's like all the emotion conveyed through words, um, but like transformed from music. I just, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it's terrific. That's in issue five. Yep. Um, all right. Anything else to add, team? Um, yeah, like there's clearly a, a whole year's worth of like women's studies that I could get into <laughs> with sure. this comic. But I assume if you're reading it, you probably have figured a lot of that out. It's, yeah, it's not subtle because uh, I don't think, I think we're past subtle right now. I think we're past needing subtle. Uh, we love making it. We hope to keep doing it. Absolutely. And the volume collects issues one through four, and that is out in March. And that will be out, you know, bookstores. You can pre-order it now. You can get it at your local independent bookstore. And the issues come out um, Monthly, every month. Yeah, last every Wednesday of every month. month. Yep. Just keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.